0: Welcome to the Sage Women Podcast, hosted by Melanie White and Dr. Nick Engera. We have real conversations with real women, health professionals, and coaches who share stories about perimenopause, menopause, and a range of women's health issues. Please subscribe so you get the latest updates every fortnight. Really pleased to have you on the podcast, Amanda. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Right. Thanks for having me, Mel. It's nice to get together in this format and, um, yeah, see what comes up in our discussion. As you know, I like to let
0: my guests introduce themselves. So can you give us a little yeah. bit of background about you and what you do?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, my name is Amanda Kuby and I um, live in Victoria and I um, have a um, health and wellness business with um, coaching and looking after women in menopause. And um, yeah, I'm doing that here in my uh, little country area and loving that, working um, with clients and um, building, I guess, um, just a whole lot of um, elements of awareness raising around menopause and really loving working in that space. So that's what I'm doing. I've got an education background. I've been a teacher for over 20, 25 years before launching into my health and wellness business. And that was mostly in Outback Queensland, Mm -hmm. um, working with School of the Air mostly. And yeah, so I've now moved into um, when we returned to Victoria, moved into creating my own health and wellness business, predominantly at the start around massage and um, still with uh, um, education in that Mm -hmm. element as well. And um, in the last two or three years, it's I've taken up and Uh, the coaching and become a certified health and wellness coach and that's where my sort of energies are going um, especially in the menopause space yeah great
0: background and I love that you've been a champion in the outback or in the rural regional space so the health practitioners around that really know how to support people with confusing challenging and confronting health conditions and issues
1: yeah it um it raises interesting things it's ironic you know because in some ways Mount Isa being a large town even though it's very remote had a quite a good health care network and um, servicing around it and support Victoria Western Victoria out in the middle of sort of what we call the outback of Victoria very different scenario so it's ironic sometimes you can come to a, a state that you think of as very populated and would be well serviced not necessarily the case in terms of all that so yeah it's interesting where those gaps sometimes land and how did you
0: and pardon the pun transition into menopause
1: coaching yeah it came out of two elements really the first was covid and being a remedial massage therapist and suddenly having no work, couldn't do any of my work. I was like thinking, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to um, Hmm. protect and add value to what I offer in the wellness space um, when there may be some future where massage isn't possible? So I started looking at some options and um, eventually went with the health and wellness coaching, which was a fabulous course. And as that process got going and I could see that there was a lot of um, bringing together of my skills and my backgrounds my own experience of menopause and perimenopause particularly started to really go around in my mind and get me thinking actually this could be an area that I could offer something because my my desire I guess was to if I could help one woman not have the experience I had, that's sort of like a help them not have something, um, it would be a great thing to help a woman navigate the space, particularly of perimenopause, um, and get support and know where they could go for further help and um, uh, assistance. What an amazing thing that would be, particularly around Anxiety in menopause, which was um, very crippling for me for a number of years.
0: Right. So, really drawing together your past skills and experience, and including our own personal experience, realizing that how horrible it can be and how many other women might need support.
1: That's right. I felt like it was um, a space that wasn't getting and attention in um, in a whole lot of areas and I just felt like there was an opportunity here to bring the coaching um, approach to menopause as a way of supporting a woman but not taking power or um, control away um, Mm -hmm. because everyone's experience is so very different in menopause and what I love about the idea is of working with women in menopause is you are creating space for the person to find what they need. And that to me is one of the most fantastic things about working um, in the coaching space, but in the menopause space is helping a woman find what is already within her to work through this, but just helping to clear away some of the the clutter and the difficulties of seeing clearly. Yeah. It's a really nice way that you've described
0: that. And it's definitely you reach that point where you don't don't know who you are anymore. Mm. All of this stuff that you've had in your life, all of the things that have accumulated, you mentioned clutter and a lot of that is clutter. And you I think you reach this point where you have less space and energy and tolerance. And suddenly you start to see the things that you've been putting up with and that no longer serve you and you might have also lost a bit of your identity and yes. you've been shifted into a new, new space. It's really hard to look at that stuff and figure out what to do.
1: Yeah, I think there is that real um, self-doubt gets is very um, prevalent, I think, in that stage where you're a competent person who's, running jobs, um, running a family, doing all sorts of things in the community space as well. And suddenly you feel like you you don't even know who you are anymore. And uh, that's very hard on the self-confidence. And I think what I find, I think when I'm working with women is that sometimes it's the symptoms of menopause uh, might be the start point, but very quickly we move on from that to deeper issues of, yeah, self-worth, confidence, um, trusting myself, Yeah, connecting to my intuition um, become where the bigger discussion and growth seems to, to come from.
0: Mm. And it sounds a bit like mental health, if you could put it under a banner.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's a lovely space to... Um, be a bit of a a gatekeeper with a woman to help her tap into herself, find her own um, way through it, but also recognise that if there is some deeper underlying issues going on, you can have some sort of a referral pathway to um, enable her to seek um, professional help if that's needed. But there's this lovely space that coaching sits in that can offer um, so much. um, Yeah. in, In that uh, early stage, yeah.
0: Mm. And can you talk to us a little bit about anxiety, Amanda, uh, in menopause?
1: Yeah, I think for me it was such a revelation to discover that it was a part of menopause because going through perimenopause for me—I'm now fifty-seven, so it was about ten years ago I started going through perimenopause. Um, was getting the hot flushes and thought that was sort of the main thing didn't know much more really but anxiety really started to crank up at that time and it was put down to a few things and you know I'd, I'd had palpitations as well which were um, quite significant and so those el- other elements like the palpitations they were sort of dealt with from a GP point of view very thoroughly and that was all fine nothing there but menopause. Um, anxiety in menopause was not raised or discussed so I had no idea that it was linked so for me it was the idea that just normal everyday life was suddenly freaking me out completely and I might even be I can remember driving one day I was going to a massage can you believe it of all things wonderful thing I was driving to a massage absolutely wound up just to get to this appointment on time and just totally freaked out about getting to this appointment and going there and I wasn't late, nothing was wrong. And I'm thinking something weird is happening here. If I'm driving to my massage and I'm absolutely feeling like I'm about to walk over a tightrope over the Grand Canyon, it was just this total fear. And... So, because I wasn't seeing or hearing anything about what that was in the world around me, I felt like there was something wrong with me. There was something, mm-hmm. gosh, yeah, something really wrong here. So, for me, what that led to is a lot of control, trying to control everything because of this fear that was coming in, everything. So, I'd be doing a whole lot of um, exercise because that's supposed to help. So I'd be doing a lot of um, um, eating, you know, controlling healthy eating, but getting really stressed about my food choices. And so these Mm -hmm. sorts of escalating things were just building and building. And I feel like for me, when I look back at that time, if that could have been identified then as linked to menopause, that anxiety... And some strategies to help work with that. I feel like some really unhelpful patterns of thinking could have been arrested a bit earlier. And that, I think, is for me what took many years to um, stabilise and move through because I had really entrenched some unhelpful thinking patterns around my anxiety and what it meant about me as a person so that involved counseling and herbal remedies and a lot of support in a whole lot of different areas through um, my partner and yeah friends meditation yeah to really get through that process Mm. there's a long story there
0: (laughs) no it's it's really important to hear that you had such a tough time for a long time because you didn't have that link. Mm. You, you you didn't know what caused it and you were seeing it as part of who you were, as part of your identity almost instead of yeah. the, the the cause being more likely a hormonal imbalance and, and, and then how that showed up for you every day. It's really important that people hear that because I think we go through these things and think, is this normal? Am I the only one going through this? What can yep. I do? Who do I talk to? Yep. Am I going mad? Yes. All of those things that create the self-doubt that you
1: talked about earlier. Yeah, Yep. And it was interesting once I did find that connection, it was through reading a book by um, Dr. Nicola Gates, The um, Good Menopause, I think. I can't remember quite what it's called. A um, lot of really good evidence-based stuff in there. She was the one who really highlighted the anxiety element of menopause. And it was like, oh my goodness. It didn't mean suddenly it switched off and I was done because these habits had got in place and they were churning along, they're taking a lot of unraveling. But I did make a big effort then of starting to talk to other women and mm. about it and about actually for me, it's anxiety. And you know, so many people would say, oh, I can't believe you just said that. I'm, I don't know what's going on with me. And they would almost literally grab my arm and say, what is happening? I can't understand this. I'm a capable professional and I've you know lost my shit basically. So Mm -hmm. that I think really also ticked away in the back of my mind about boy, here's a here's an area that where women are really not being well supported and carrying, carrying this load. Mm -hmm. So that also led into why I might target working with women in menopause who are experiencing anxiety just from what I was hearing and experiencing myself it sounds like you really
0: lifted the lid on an unmet need and you talked about the habits that you were doing that were perpetuating anxiety and I'm imagining now in the work that you're doing you're helping people develop new habits and everybody's different of course but What types of things can people do for themselves in terms of their daily, weekly, monthly habits that might help them to understand or manage anxiety a bit better?
1: Yeah, I think one of the big ones is to actually recognise that um, you can come to your breath as a really fabulous way to just settle in the moment. And I think for me, my breath as an anchor has been a huge thing and particularly focusing on the out breath. I think it's also to do with that idea that I mentioned before about creating space. And I think it's just taking stock for a moment when things are escalating and get out of your head and into your body. Mm. And I think there is literally this sort of disconnect that happens where you Um, when you're in this sort of state where you are just all in your head. So mindfulness practices in particular have been a really great anchor for me to just focus on the breath. And it's been the most helpful to learn to focus on the out breath because when we're in this fight or flight state, we're shallow breathing and we're breathing in the upper chest and we're often holding our breath. That amazed me when I realized how much I was holding my breath and I hadn't ever realized it was going on for a long time. (laughs) And I read a lot of places recently, it's been jumping out in a lot of my reading that when you hold your breath, you can't feel. And, And that to me is such a powerful statement. So when we hold our breath, we stop ourselves from feeling so Breathing and just connecting to the breath and just stopping um coming back down into that. I often put a hand on my chest. You can see me doing it as I'm talking yeah. because it's so powerful. And just focus a really simple way of three counts in, six counts out. And I count it and I do cycles. I used to, and I do it anywhere and everywhere just to bring that. And I've read about the idea that it just helps to drop your cortisol levels really quickly. And mm. I hold on to that because it sounds really nice and sciencey and um, yeah, it, um, yeah, it just gives you that sense of right, this is this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, but to me, it gives me a wonderful way of just, yeah, almost literally coming out of my head and down into my body and grounding, I guess, yeah mm. and taking a moment to um, ascertain that that impending feeling of doom, nothing is going to happen. And everything about what you're thinking and feeling at the time tells you otherwise. But so the breath anyway, that's um, really valuable for me. Mm -hmm. I think another one has that's really helped me is to and this is through counseling but is to think to remember that our feelings our emotions are guides for us and they actually have a purpose even the uncomfortable ones and they're trying to tell us something and maybe if we can just pause and listen we might be able to hear what might want to happen next So, I think it sounds funny, but everyone who has anxiety knows it. We are afraid of the fear. Mm. So, almost trying to make friends with the fear (laughs) 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 has been a very helpful thing for me. Yeah. Mm. I haven't been able to come to that. That's with on my own. That's with, and a lot of most things you don't come to on your own, even though you think you do. Um, counselling has been very helpful for some of that deeper understanding of what has driven some of my um, unhelpful patterns of thinking. Mm.
0: And I guess there are also other things you can do too. I mean, I know I've woken up a few times having an anxiety attack or a panic attack in the middle of the night, Mm. totally unexpected And then I have looked at stimulants and sugar and those sorts of things in my diet. Can you speak to some of those other things that people can do to manage anxiety?
1: I think there are um, two elements. There's the anxiety where the source is mental and then when it's physical. So for some people, that means exercise is really, really great. If if their anxiety is more physically um, driven, then making sure you include a simple walk for half an hour, an hour every day, um, doing some mindfulness practice like yoga. I find that absolutely amazing. So doing um, a, little, a few simple yoga postures, uh, particularly before bed. Um, and, yeah, reducing alcohol I think is a really big one for keeping anxiety um, levels down. What happens if it's more driven by mental processing? If you put too many physical um, controls in place, they become another source of anxiety. I'm not exercising enough. Now I've done two walks today, actually, but I'm really anxious. Maybe I better do three. And so um, there's that Once yeah. I worked out. Mine was men- clearly. Mine was mental. <laughs> but yeah. Now, That's where um, using things more like um, yoga, meditation, um, mindfulness practices of just becoming present. So just accepting this moment for how it is and coming into the senses, really helpful. And when I was very agitated, I found sometimes just the really practical thing of, going okay what's five things I can see what's Mm. three things I can hear Um, and just take yourself out of your head there and into your into what reality is around you so um, it it depends on the type of anxiety you have what works best for you but look generally a combo of all those things are fabulous for most people that are in that state of I don't know how to get, get out of my head and how to get down from this yeah. absolute um, racket that's going on in my brain.
0: Mm-hmm. That's some really good points and thanks for clarifying the difference between the, the source of the anxiety. I, I bet
1: a lot of people don't know that and it's an important distinction. It, it helps, I think, to then once you work out what is your where you're being where your anxiety is sort of being sort of directed from that there are some things that might tailor better for you than others yeah and that's Mm -hmm. that's up to um, everyone to find go looking for that but there's lots out there to support that yeah now mandy you haven't mentioned massage (laughs) is massage great (laughs) yeah look it is actually an incredible element to um, improving well-being and there's a lot of studies and research out there to support just really able to, uh, the capacity of massage to drop the sympathetic nervous system activation and bring up the parasympathetic and allow that rest and digest to happen Um, So, yeah, massage is fabulous. You can obviously go for treatments. People often underestimate the importance of relaxation massage, actually. And as a therapist, I'm often promoting the restorative and nurturing elements of relaxation massage to support mental health and anxiety and depression in particular. So going and getting a regular massage is a wonderful thing. But often we forget we can do it for ourselves too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a part of what I still do now with coaching, even when I'm working in a Zoom context or some online version, is just remind people that they can care for themselves with self-massage, even if it's just laying on of hands on the belly and the chest and breathing into that and actually that sense of giving yourself an embrace and accepting yourself or even bringing a hand say you've got tightness in your neck and shoulders which we tend to do as we get anxious we pull up just resting a hand on an area that's tight and tense and letting that process happen so there's also great self-massage you can do as well as building um, professional massage into your you know health and well-being yeah
0: funnily enough you mentioned that hands-on and I thought gee I do that at night if I wake up and I've got a a racing mind I can't sleep I naturally put a hand on my chest and on my
1: belly and I fall asleep that way yeah just intuitively doing it yes without even knowing that it is incredibly good for you and yeah there's a lot I think in that that we can really tap into is our our deep knowing within ourselves of what to do in a situation and doing it more.
0: (laughs) Mm. Wow, man, there's some amazing insights there. And I really appreciate you talking through lots of different ways to get help if you're struggling with anxiety and menopause and perimenopause. Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of different options and really everyone's going to be different and I like the idea of building a support team around you and there are people that can help you with different areas and you've kind of spoken to that a bit today. But what about people in rural and remote areas that don't have access to services or have a limited number of services?
1: How can they get support? It's a really challenging area because um, people who are trying to connect with um, all those elements that could um, improve their situation. They're just, there's so much reduction in what's available. I think one of the things is to look carefully at um, the options to start with, with um, finding a good GP. That is challenging in the rural and remote spaces, but it's not insurmountable. Um, Finding someone who is listening to you is is a key thing. Mm -hmm. With the advent of telehealth now, there's some really good options to support people. And a lot of my time with my anxiety being at a very high level, I was in Western Victoria and no services closer than an hour away and most of them further. I was able to do a lot on telehealth and all nearly all of my counselling was telehealth and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I still I work with a counsellor through telehealth. Work, yeah. And um, it's amazing we, what we can do, the rapport we can build. So that has opened up since COVID really great opportunities for reaching out and finding um, some great options for counselling and even online GP consults Um, and being ready to try someone else if you don't feel that the person's hearing you properly Um, and which is hard because then you've got to tell your story again yeah it's worth it if you can find someone who is um, listening to you properly and taking what you're saying seriously and being proactive at helping you to find some options so Mm -hmm. that's that would be um yeah, and even my yoga. I did most of my yoga through COVID, like everyone did, on Zoom. And so it still supported me incredibly well and gave me links to people. Probably another thing that I reckon in rural and remote areas is being being up for talking to your friends and to your loved ones about it, because they're going through it with you. Whether you notice it or not. Mm-hmm. So I think being it's, it involves risk, of course, and vulnerability, but being ready to find um, a, a person you know has your back and you can trust to share this experience with. Um, my own experience of that is I've had some incredible friends who have supported me through my really difficult times of anxiety and no sleep for weeks on end um having those key people that were really supporting me beautifully and i knew i could call them anytime day or night and it Mm. made a huge difference to to me to have those so i'd be encouraging people to be drawing on the people that you have already in your world as well and finding a a trusted friend or loved one to help you support you
0: Mm. Yeah, it makes sense and it can be hard to open up, but it's probably something of a, of a relief too to be able to talk about it.
1: I think so. And oftentimes people then will say they'll share something of themselves and you think, oh, gosh, I had no idea you were going through that or that was such a big thing for you in your life. And that just helps you get out of your own head too <laughs> and you've got someone else. um being honest with you and builds it builds connection of course and that's also mm-hmm. incredibly good for us in our mental health.
0: Such a great point and I mean I live in a regional area as well and I know that although I don't have a lot of close friends here I do have some wonderful places to go and one of them is a craft group and there's women of uh, kind of 40 to 70 in that group so is quite diverse and even if you don't know people in the group very well, it's a very frank and open discussion. It's a bit like the the modern version of the CWA in a way. <laughs> and we can have conversations around all sorts of things. So that's,
1: you never know where that conversation is going to come from perhaps. That's a really good point because if you've got that openness to sharing and sometimes with people you don't know as well, it can be a little bit easier um, if you don't if you feel like you can just sort of lob something into the discussion and no one's, and the group isn't going to suddenly descend on it and tear, tear it apart and all that, you can, yeah, almost test out what it's like to say something as a practice run, even if you don't know the people that well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's, it, you're right. It is important to be open to some options for how you um, open yourself up. And where and how yeah been great chatting with you
0: today Amanda where can people find out more about you if they'd like to get in touch and inquire about coaching around anxiety and menopause and perimenopause
1: yeah yeah I've got some courses coming up um, in the menopause space so that'd be lovely to hear from people probably my website's the best place to get a bit of an overview on me and that's wellnesswithamanda.au and then you can also email me to find out more about things, which is connect at wellnesswithamanda.au. So that's just a dot .au at the end, no yeah. Dot .com. Yeah, okay. it's a new, some new way that, um, yes, that's the, that that's my um way my, it works for me. Yep. Excellent. We will put those links in the show notes. Thank you.
0: Thanks for your time and uh, for being here on, on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Melanie. It's really good.